Hello, everyone. This is Michael from Kendo World, and welcome to the latest KED Talk. Uh, today, I'm joined by uh, Tanya Saga from Ecuador. Uh, Tanya is a fifth dan and has been living in Japan for some time now. Uh, she participated in the 2015 and 2018 World Championships, so those were the ones in Tokyo and Korea, as a member of the Ecuador team. Uh, she's also been studying at uh, Tsukuba University and Kanoya University, uh, where she was doing uh, research into, and I'll just have to read the title, um, Kendo Diffusion in Developing Countries from the Viewpoint of Transculturalism. So we're going to be interested to talk to her today uh, about her studies in Kendo and uh, different things to do with her Kendo journey. So Tanya, welcome to KED Talk. Hello, thank you very much for this opportunity. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Very looking forward to uh, this talk. Uh, as we, we spoke about just before the uh, interview started, uh, the first time we met was back in 2018 at the Gakuren Taikai in Tokyo, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, how did you find that tournament? It was my first time being in Japan in an international team. So I didn't know that there were so many people like of a high level doing kendo. So it was like quite interesting for me. And almost everybody lived long time in Japan. So they speak good Japanese and I felt like I have a long journey to work here. <laughs> right, right. I was quite interested in what you said about it being a big competition. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with the Gakuren, the Gakuren is um, the University Alumni Federation. So you can only join it if you've graduated from uh, university. So for those of you that maybe joined the police straight after university, unfortunately, you can't enter that competition. But it's... Um, a competition made up of different alumni groups of the different universities around Japan. So you get teams from Tsukuba University, Meiji, Hosei, Kanoya, Kokushikan, and uh, it's a really, really high-level tournament. And there are loads of eighth-dan sensei that take part in it as well, quite a few police. Um I've obviously taken part in the men's competition. There are three divisions for the men. There's a seven-man team, five-man team, and a three-man team. And each position has got an age limit. So for the three-man team, I think they all have to be over 65 years of age. And there are a few teams in there where every member of the team is a hachidan. So it's a pretty... Pretty good tournament. For, for the ladies' uh, division, it's just a five-person team. Is that right? No, I think so. We participate in a five-person team. And uh, for the last few years, the Gakuren Federation has actually asked us, us at Kendo World to try and uh, sort out teams of foreign practitioners in Japan that would like to take part in this tournament. Again, on the proviso being that we've all graduated from university. Um, so in Tanya, in your team, when you were there, what, what were the other nationalities of the, the, the ladies in your team? 
from French. There were two ladies, Caroline and Lin, Liana, Lin. Right. Um, from Korea, I remember we have somebody. And I'm not sure, but I guess somebody else from Europe was in my team that time. Right. Oh, I think maybe America, wasn't it? Wasn't it Mara from America in the year you were in it? Or was that the following year? Um, I'm not sure, but I don't remember America. I remember Europe and Korea. Oh, okay. I'll be Anna, I think, from from Korea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the men's team, we had uh, myself from England. Uh, we had someone from Sweden, Canada. Uh, where else? Serbia, Bulgaria. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty, uh, pretty mixed team. And I think, obviously, for obvious reasons, it hasn't gone ahead this year and it didn't go ahead last year. But the last time in 2019, which was the year after you took part in it, there were 1,219 competitors in the tournament. It's it's huge. 12 Shiaijo, I think they were running mm-hmm. at that one. So, yeah. So, obviously, that was a, a university uh, tournament uh, or for university alumni tournament. Mm-hmm. So, going back uh, to your university education, that was, first of all, in Ecuador? Uh, yes, I studied first in Ecuador. And after getting my undergraduate degree there, I decided to study abroad. And I was looking for the ranking of Kendo universities, but I didn't want just to study Kendo, so I tried to relate with my master's degree and my undergraduate studies. So I chose my program in Kanoya School. Well, I think for those of you that don't really know those universities, um, they're two of the, the the big powerhouse universities of for Kendo in Japan. Uh, for the men's competition, they've had the last two All Japan champions, both, oh, sorry, the one last, the, the current All Japan champion graduated from Scuba uh, in April. And the previous All Japan champion for the men was uh, a student when he won it the, he the, the previous yeah. year. And the ladies or the women's team there are very strong as well. And then you've also picked Kanoya University as well, which is an incredibly strong university. How did you find uh, training at those universities? Oh, well, they both are hard, but the things like it's good to be a graduate student because they respect you a little more. Like it's not, it's not that you're a foreigner, you're part of the group being there. And, and I have a tutor, so somebody's a student of, of fourth grade had to check me, like to to give me the directions, what to do, where to go, where mm. to put my stuff. So so it was not difficult to adapt to the group. And in Kanoya, we are like we were like 15 international students in the whole university. So nobody was from Kendo but me, and and they were not used to have a uh, international student with them so so I think this experience was new for them and new for me of course but uh, the sensei support me very much and, and I, I have like a good relationship with the students keeping the 
the control and and not to you know like not just the follow them I also can say I, I want to do with this and say please give me a sign or maybe help or make a line something and it was really really hard like I don't know in some point of my my body cannot just respond like just move by itself <laughs> so I, I don't remember like feeling too much and scuba also but the scuba the difference is that they have a lot of international students so in the whole university, maybe there are 1,000 or more. So, oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that many international <laughs> students there. Yes. And Kendu uh, students also, there are not that much, maybe three, four. In, in the year that I was, we were three. But the scuba students are used to relating with the international people because they receive from their sensei, they bring from different countries to do some gashuku or kangeiko or something. Mm-hmm. So they they quite understand that what's what what's the, the training with with people from overseas. So so I I, I don't feel like like sometimes people say a little discrimination or a little hard the relationship with the students and that but I think uh, it was like not so hard because the students were kind of used to it. <laughs> and they look for us, so they don't leave the, the graduate students alone. So they come to us to to do like, to put us in motodachi something and then you can oh. do some students and then change and say, okay, I'm doing this sensei this time. And, and they understand because sometimes you cannot make a line because they are coming, coming. But you can say today, like, I made up a promise with Sensei, so, so wait me a second. And yeah, and it's it's good because with every student you can do, it's like a very ritual experience <laughs> to learn. So that, that was a bit easier for you then going there because you were already a graduate rather than you, you weren't kind of, you weren't an undergraduate when you went there. No, yeah, I went as a graduate. And, well, before I came to Japan as an undergraduate, uh, just like like three months training, and I was in Ryutsuke Tai University. And yeah, in that moment, it was hard because also I was younger and also Nidan, maybe second second grade. So so it was hard to, to get what their students were doing. But when I came as graduate students they also respect you as graduate student and they help you to do the, the basic things I don't know if they like it or not but they have to so so it's kind of easy to keep the relationship and also if you already have visited some universities in Japan you understand like the treatment with the students and how to use Japanese to say them in a polite way but please let me do it but but I want to do, and not just onegashimasu, onegashimasu. Mm, 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 mm. So, <laughs> so it was, I think, kind of lucky to have that experience before to get a good relationship with the students and, and, and train in the way that I wanted to do. Well, I, th- I think maybe in, in case uh, people listening to this are not very familiar with those universities, both Kanoya and Scuba are uh, public univer- or national universities, which means that <laughs> Um, in order to get into it, you have to be very, very good academically. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to take the national, uh, I think they call it in Japan, the, the Senta Shigen. And mm-hmm. that's the same exam to go to places like Shitotsubashi or Tokyo University. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and if if you're good at sports as well or, or other things, you you can get scholarships there, but you still have to be very, very good academically. Mm-hmm. And also you, you mentioned that there were probably about a thousand uh, foreign students at Scuba at the time. And how many did you say? Only three or four in Kanoya? Yes. No, in Kanoya, in total, we were 15 students. Oh, 15. Of, Sorry. Okay. Of, of all sports. And yes, you say just now, like a scholarship also. I, I went by myself and I got a scholarship being there. So many students come already with a scholarship. And then they just have to focus on training and, and studying. But I have to be like the other students, like having part-time job and, right. and studying and doing other things. So, so I think that's also difficult, like to manage the, the time, especially because the, the usually kendo trainings are sometimes twice a day, something, and you have class and master's class, plus <laughs> doing some part-time jobs. So, so it was not kind. It was like we need to make a good schedule and be organized to do all at the same time. Also, another thing about those those two universities, probably why there were so many foreign students in Scuba and not so much in Kanoya, is the, the location. Like, Scuba is kind of quite central to Japan. It's not too far from Tokyo. It's in Ibaraki Prefecture, which joins on to Tokyo. But Kanoya... You probably, except for Okinawa, you probably couldn't get further away. It's it's is it, is it on Kagoshima or in Kagoshima Prefecture? It's in Kagoshima Prefecture, but yeah, it's in the way south of Kagoshima, and and it's only like sports university, so there are not students of other areas. And yeah, I think also the location has a lot to do, but <laughs> but yeah, we were we were few. But the good thing is that the the international section also helped you telling you when there are scholarship opportunities or something. They tell you in Scuba you have to look for it right, right, okay. There are many people. <laughs> so, as I mentioned before, that these are two of the the top top kendo universities or strongest teams uh, in Japan. What would be say a regular training session like at Scuba University? Sorry, I should say University of Scuba. That's the correct name. No, that's true. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, everything starts with with uh, warming up, subudi, and I felt it's like a pattern, the same in Kanoya. But uh, I don't know, because in Ecuador, we did different, according to the dojo, it has a different style. But uh, as I saw in the, in the universities, they have a pattern, so... It's easy for the body to remember what you have to do, what's next. And all of them have something something characteristic, like uh, the way of doing tsuburi in scuba, the way of doing kanotya. They have some sonkyo and, and kaishido in sonkyo. So those kind of trainings at the beginning is kind of hard to understand, but then the, the body gets used to it. And then we have kihon and oikomigeiko. <laughs> And long, and depending on the day, because usually on Saturdays when the day, the day is longer in Kanoya, the, the sensei, the instructors were 
like quite longer for do one hour I call me or something. So yeah, even the students' reaction was not so good, like, eh, once more. And they just <laughs> laugh and yeah, once more. <laughs> yeah, and and in, in Kanoya we have Sanda Santa Sandan Geiko, so three three motodachi stay and one person do with one motodachi the same thing, when the second the same thing, the third same thing, and take a rest. So it's like a consecutive keiko, and starting from basics like like menta yatari men, menta yatari kote, menta yatari do, and then increasing the nexus with uh, with including kirikaeshi the same, and then including kakari keiko. <laughs> so in the last part, like almost everybody's very tired, in, and in the motodachi are usually yonensei, so the fourth grade. So, so the, from that san, sandan geiko, the, then you said the third person you would have to do, uh, what was it, uchikomi, tayatari, and then, uh, and then kirikai, uh, sorry, sorry, uchikomi, kirikaishi, and kakari geiko, all with one person? All we, yeah, we each with, with each one. Oh, with each one. Oh, wow. With the same sequence with each one. So when you get to the third, almost almost just, uh, I forgot in English, yaruki, like just motivation. <laughs> right, the, right. The technique is not so good, but just just like screaming. And, ah. But that type of exercise, although yeah. you, know, you said your, your technique might be going a bit downhill, but it will <laughs> increase yeah. your your core strength or yeah, your ability yeah. to breathe and things like that. So yeah. I imagine it sounds like maybe yeah, probably not enjoyable to go through, <laughs> but I think it's going to be, you know, worth it in the long, in the long run. I think. Yeah. In, in scuba, I remember they have first the keiko and then the, the heart, like kakari geiko or uchikomi geiko or oikomi geiko. But in Kanoya, they have first the, like the oikomi and then, then do waza. So in the moment when you are more tired, you have to think of how to do properly men or have to do properly some waza like that. And another thing that I like a lot in both is like they give you the chance to think what do you want to do. So sometimes the sensei just said, just said you like free keiko. And then we we can talk with the partner and say like today I want to practice men or kote or something. Or, and it's it's kind of nice because in the geo part, the students take very seriously like the shiai each 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 technique. So so they sensei take longer for the geo part, and I think it's very important because usually can the students say they are not good for studying, but I think they use a lot their minds in thinking in each in each technique. So I, I like it the geo part, and after that, like one hour or two hours of this, and then. Just keiko with senseis, or or the young or the fourth grade students. So, so yeah, after being tired, just do some keiko and practice what you have done. So your training at those was in the morning or early afternoon or evening or did usually it... usually early afternoon from four to six or five to seven like that, and sometimes also we have as a as a like morning practice from seven or six thirty and before eight. So our classes start at eight, so we try to finish seven thirty, like take a bath, eat, eat breakfast, and go to class. And on Saturdays the practice was like from nine to twelve, so Saturdays oh, wow. was longer. And sometimes 
Uh, in Kanoya, they invite students from other universities around Kyushu. So I think they are, they are sensei's friends, something that invite another club to practice together and was mainly Shiai and then Keiko. Sometimes the students from junior or high school come to visit. And in Scuba, it's different because they have a, like, a, like a class for the citizens who practice Kendo. So Saturdays is the date that they teach you how to teach. So the super sensei, Nanadam or Hachidan, or, yeah, are teaching to the new people. So it's a good way to see how beginners learn. Learn like two, three months they learn from a Hachidan or Nanadan. So it's a good way to learn how to teach. That's kind of interesting because um, originally the University of Scuba was Tokyo University of Education. So it was a it was a university basically created in order to train teachers. So mm-hmm. even at the high school that I work at, there were a lot of uh, scuba graduates, not just for kendo, but mm-hmm. for teaching science and teaching maths. And it's still very much um, teaching university, yeah, training mm-hmm. teachers. And mm-hmm. I can see how it's a bit different for, for mm-hmm. Kanoya, which is basically only sports. Mm-hmm. But yeah, scuba, pretty much any subject I think you can do there. Yeah. Also, yeah, they have like uh, this community class for for people who register and, and have the and not have they didn't have a lot of space, so they have to register and then do like a lottery to get who can join. And also, there are some classes where only graduated students can help teachers, uh, like professors, to help to the students that are not from. Mar- from martial arts or not from not from physical education so other students also come to learn kendo for, for the first time and the graduate students can help the, the teachers and you also you can be like assistant teacher assistant and help them and, and learn how how to teach like like for example I, I had a chance to teach with with my with my department was like budo budo studies and and yeah, I saw like people doing in one month choyakusuguri, like in Ecuador it takes like two, three months to to understand the the, the movement and the fit, the fit movement. But uh, I I saw that they teach very much with just watch and do. So yeah, I think one month I was surprised, like almost everybody was they were doing like choyakusuguri and kirikaishi, like so fast for me. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I think that's kind of the the general idea. I think that people have about the kind of teaching how it happens mm-hmm. in martial arts in Japan. It's just mm-hmm. watch and do. I remember a few weeks ago on one of these Ked talks, uh, mm-hmm. Alex spoke to uh, Hiro Imafuji, who uh, mm-hmm. he knew from Japan and who also lived in in New Zealand for a long time and now is living in America. Mm-hmm. And he's had a lot of uh, experience teaching in Japan, and especially learning in Japan. And mm-hmm. he was he he recalled a couple of stories where uh, in Japan the teacher just says to you, "Do it like this," <laughs> and you do it. And he said when he he had to, he had to get used to teaching in a different way because a lot of the questions mm-hmm. that would come when he was teaching like that in America. <laughs> and also, he did somewhere in Central or South America. I. Uh, Guatemala oh. um, there as well the, the the first question is why <laughs> why do we have to do that and he's, he's like oh actually 
I don't know. And, <laughs> and he had to go off and study a bit more. Okay. So did do you find that, what are some of the big things that you learned from that experience about how to be, how to teach kendo? Did it change your kendo in any way? Make make your kendo better in, in any way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I felt also, I, I learned in Ecuador from Sensei that in that moment where Sam done or John done. And also in Ecuador, we don't have the, the access to, to like high rank Sensei. So sometimes some Sensei come from like a seminar or something, but that the knowledge they give us, we have to keep and study by ourselves. So those two, three years for me in the universities and teaching other people were like very fruitful <laughs> for my own kendo also to go back to the basics. And, and yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> I feel it changed a lot to the perspective also of how to do the thing. Sometimes I understand like theory, but watching was like easier to understand and to put in my own. Okay, so that's... Um... Like I suppose a, a good talk about what you were doing kendo in in Kanoya and Scuba. So how about before that? Then you begun kendo in Ecuador. Yeah. Uh, how old were you when you when you started kendo there? I started when I was in junior high school, and yeah, I I liked some history class, so I wanted to do something of budo. And I, I, I choose Kendo. And of course, I couldn't find a dojo as like, that easy. So, so uh, a, friend, a, a friend of my father told him there was some, some karate dojo that knows some Kendo dojo, something like, like that. And finally, I got it. And, and yeah, it also changed my mind because I, my, my lifestyle, because I was also <laughs> in junior high school. So some things I, I don't know, I, I didn't know exactly what to do, how to do, but uh, but I, I like it, Kendo, like the, the way to keep the ethic or the, I don't know, the hierarchy thing. So, so I, I was happy to doing it. And, and I like to meet new people. Like I, I had a chance to go to some South, South American championships and Latin American championships, but, but meeting other people from other countries that do the same thing because in Ecuador, there are very few people doing kendo. So, so meeting other people doing the same and with the same enthusiasm. <laughs> and of course, the kendo sensei is like uh, Ito, Ito sensei also came to Brazil and I met him there. So, so it was like a new door to go to Japan. Like everybody told me, when, when are you coming? So I started thinking seriously, I, I should go to Japan. So yeah, so that's <laughs> Roughly, what what is the kendo population of Ecuador? In Ecuador, it's about well before the pandemic, it was like one hundred eighty, but I think with the pandemic, it has decreased like one hundred thirty fifty maybe. Oh wow! Yeah, very few. And there, when I started, there were like five dojos in the city there I live, but now there they are seven or eight. Okay. <laughs> yes. So. That was, uh, you started when you were junior high school age, mm -hmm. I guess then, and you continued practicing through university. Was there a club at your university? No, but I started the club in my university. So in that moment, in Ecuador, I used to practice in many dojos 
because we are like the family of kendo so it doesn't matter the federation you belong if you belong to one you can join others so i i took advantage of that and i tried to go as much as i can and yeah of course when i started university i feel like i need a space and i had the chance to join to some leader leader seminar championships or something so i wanted to apply what i have learned in ecuador but i usually have to follow the, some dojo style so i i talk with the president of the federation and say how about doing kendo in my university and yeah he support me a lot so we we started the dojo in my university and yeah yeah i tr i try to use all that i have learned in seminars and that and and many new people also join so and young people join and we have the uh, from 7 to 9 in the morning practice every day so usually classes start from 9 something so so usually university students in Ecuador when people start university they cannot go to dojo as much as they want so right. i i i thought like that the schedule would be good for people cannot do but can join in the university schedule so so yeah, I continued that, and when I decided to start to go to Japan, I I focused that training every day is the key. So I didn't want to die when coming here. Right. <laughs> so how many people were in the club that you started? When at first, we, when we started, we were three. Oh wow! <laughs> but, yeah, the first year we were eight, and then until the before I I came to Japan, we were like fifteen. And yeah, it was like a good level. Uh, I mean, not high level, but shodan nidan. And and because they train every day, so they can get the level of some other Ecuadorian dojo like very fast, maybe. Right, right. In a dojo that trains one, once a week with with the with with the students of my university training every day, maybe in two months they got the bogu, and we made a some we can visit other dojo and train. So. So yeah, after after I left, they continued doing, they continued training, and I know that there are new students, so I feel very very happy because it's working perfectly without me. Oh great! <laughs> so when when you started that club, you were shodan or nidan at the time? No, I was already yondan. I oh guess. okay. Between sandan to yondan, yes. So obviously, you you were in charge of. I guess some kind of mostly beginners at that point. Yes, yes. Uh, how, how did you find it? How how were you able to keep up with your own studies? You know, because obviously you need mm -hmm. you need to be able to you know try and train with people around the same level or higher than you. To how did you manage that when when you're in charge of uh, beginners? Yeah, I tried not to because some people when made their own dojo, they stopped going to other dojo in Ecuador. So I tried not to stop. So uh, we have a one one dojo where all sensei go. Like it was the the main dojo in my city, and so I I also tried to keep keep training over there. And sometimes some students that they they were not my students, but they they come to visit sometimes. So I have the, the chance also to invite, I, or I invite other people, like, like if you have time to join our, our kendo class, something. And, and yeah, I try to, to train hard with the, with the young, young people, <laughs> like push them hard because I want them to push me on. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
I think obviously li- living in Japan now that we're very spoiled because you know we can go, we we can always find a new place to train and train with with new people as well. So you, you know you're not getting used to each people's each each person's um, peculiarities. You know you try you're, you're fighting new people all the time, or you can if you want to. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that that's great that you were yeah. And it sounds like a really good environment in Ecuador that where you said you just join one club and you can pretty much go to anywhere. I think mm-hmm. with a small pop- kendo population like that, it's a, it's a good thing and it keeps you fresh as well. Yeah, that's totally true. I, I, I just haven't think about like from that perspective, but it's true because uh, what I tried when I went to some South American competition or something, I, I really enjoyed the Jigeiko <laughs> and also in the seminar or leader seminar or something. I, it's true, like I haven't feel like getting used to some somebody's Keiko style or something, or maybe sometimes with my sensei in Ecuador, like I, I kind of understand <laughs> the style, but yeah, the opportunity to do with other other people, I think it was very, very important for me to to, to change in that moment. So getting outside of then of Ecuador, like you just mentioned that there were, um, was it the FIK, the International Kendo Federation seminars yeah. in Latin America, or was it was it all of America, like North America, Central and and South America? There are. When I started, there were the South American, Caribbean, and Latin America and America. But after like few years that I started Kendo, it changed to Latin America. Confederation, so it yeah it, the Latin American Championship and seminars for our instructors, seminars for ladies, some some and some seminars and the the referee seminars are for the region of America, so including. But the referee seminar I haven't gone because it was from Fort Dan and, and Upper. So when I was there, I was not high right. enough. I think, yeah, the, those seminars, the referee seminars, I think they do, it's American zone, Asia zone, and mm-hmm. Europe, European zone. Mm-hmm. I think they change each year, I think. I, I, don't, uh, know if they, I don't know if they do the, all the three in, in, in one calendar year. I think they, they change it. But, every year to different continents. Yeah. But yeah. that's obviously, I, I think, in order to get people from those regions ready to, um, particularly the high-level practitioners, to get them ready mm-hmm. to be able to uh, be referees at like the at world championship, right? Yes. So th- they had that big seminar in South America. What was the what were the good points about about participating in that? Mm, there were some seminars for leaders. So we also have some sensei from the peak of the Hachitan sensei that come and teach. But um, for me also, also t- receiving instructions from leaders to teach leaders. So they come to teach us how to teach. So, so it was also good. But also we, uh, because of the level and the number of people, we cannot have in the in the years that I was there, we cannot get the examination of rank in our country. So I had to travel to some championship and also get the shodan and And for me, that was the goal. So I joined some leader seminar and also take the sandan leader seminar and take yondan like that. 
But yeah, now fortunately in Ecuador, we can take until Sandan in our own country. So some people from Peru or Colombia come to Ecuador to oh, examination. Yeah, so I think also that's like the the years <laughs> the years of practice have gotten, and we have got that chance. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So have you also taken part in the Kitamoto seminar in Japan? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I went, yeah, in 2013, no, 13, 12, 12, maybe, before the, before the championship in Japan. Yeah, also that, that was my dream because, uh, yes, that's from Sandan and Upper, right? So, I don't know. I'm not actually eligible to to take part in it because I'm not <laughs> registered with the British Kendo Federation. I'm resident in Japan, so <laughs> I can't. I'm not a foreign Kendo leader. So <laughs> I'm a foreigner, but that's. Uh, but I, yeah, I think quite possibly. Yeah, it, it's they they pick people or people from the different federations are nominated mm-hmm. to go into it who they think. Mm-hmm. are going to be in a teaching position i think yes. in the years to come yes i think it was like upper dance yondam but some countries can accept until sandan and yeah i was looking for it since i was nidan i guess but yeah I, I had the chance to go maybe sandan i was when i went there but yeah also like uh seven days of kindle when in the third day we are we were almost dying <laughs> well i think back when you hear the stories of that kitamoto seminar from uh, from a lot of guys i know that are a lot older than us and it it was almost two weeks i think back it, it was at the moment it's is it seven or eight nights yeah, i it's think like but, seven days when i went it was seven nights yeah but back <laughs> Back in the day, it was it was almost two weeks. I think it was uh-huh. pretty. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it did forge some long-lasting friendships from some of the the people that we've spoken to about it. Because you, I think you're really you're in the trenches with that. It's like being in a battle zone, and <laughs> and they really really worked you hard. Um, yeah, I remember the year I went. There were uh, some. A sensei from the Osaka police, Funatsu sensei and Koda sensei, and they said we were like so enthusiastic that they want us to do 1000 Choyakusuburi. And we thought they were like kidding, but they did it. So I just remember all of us like, just, <laughs> is this <Wow>. seriously? <laughs> <laughs> just those two sensei that you mentioned, did you say Koda sensei? Oh, so Koda Sensei is the from University of Scuba. And yeah, Funatsu Sensei is from Osaka Police, who yeah. who won the um who won the eighth stand tournament, I think, twice. Mm-hmm. I was I saw one of them. He's a he's fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow, making you do a thousand Choyak Subri though. I mean yeah. yeah, they were very like nice, like, not nice but funny to teach. Like, like always making fun of us. Like, like oh guys, you cannot do this or that. So we were like, we were very happy of that. So they didn't expect that. Like they said, we expect you to be like, like oh sensei is like making fun of me. But we were like, fun, like oh sensei is so funny like that. <laughs> so they were, you think it's funny? I will do it. One thousand choyakusuri. <laughs> Oh, you don't do that, and then they did it. <laughs> Is that how you kind of got into Tsukuba University from that connection with Koda Sensei? 
Uh, not at all, but Koda-sensei, uh, I, I, I got good relationship with him thanks to Arita-sensei, who is also from University of Tsukuba, but because Arita-sensei came to Ecuador, so it was like just a coincidence. He came oh, okay. through JICA, yeah, but after, of course, after being in, in Tsukuba, I, I had the chance to to tell the students, like, give me a space I'm going to do it, Koda-sensei, like that. And yeah, I remember when I was practicing for Godan and he every time told me I was so grown. <laughs> so so you won't pass. And I felt almost like crying every day, but just like maybe it's true. <laughs> but I think did did he did that then encourage you to to train a bit harder or to train more? Yeah, I think it was exactly, but yeah, he, he was like every day, like you have the enough without scuba and you cannot pass like this. And, and yeah, I felt like, so yeah, maybe I cannot pass, but I did it. So, so I appreciate him. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, yeah, back, back in the South American zone, then doing those mm-hmm. seminars. So, um, what was the the real emphasis for you to, or what was the reason that made you definitely decide to come and study in Japan? Was it only to do with kendo? Uh, yeah, the things like before coming to study, I have come many times, like short times, like three months to to do kendo, and and yeah, I I found that well, I wanted to pass Godan, <laughs> so I felt like if I cannot train with people of higher level, it would be kind of hard. And in fact, some people in Ecuador failed exams on Gyodan Godan because it's very hard to train with somebody advanced. So I didn't want to fail that many times. So I, I think going like three months to Japan or to, to some seminars in the U.S. could help me. But then I just graduated university in Ecuador. So so I think why why not to challenge? And I found programs in English. So I think yeah, because studying in Japanese for me was like like maybe not possible. So I thought no, I cannot do that. But when I saw there were chances to study in English, I felt like motivated. So I started to looking for in the ranking universities kendo. And then also I think about careers related because my major is in international relations. So I think uh, some political issues or something, I think Kokushikan, I think Waseda University. I, I was thinking many of many chances, but also I saw that studying in a private university is very expensive. <laughs> so I decided, okay, let's try a public university. Right, right. But I saw it was also harder to get in a public, but there was this program of international development and peace resports, and I was doing kendo and, and international relations. So I can contact with the with the professor in church, and yeah, he was interested in doing some study in Latin America. So so they told me I said I don't have scholarship, and they said it's okay, come and you will find it. So okay, let's take the challenge. And, wow! And and I came yes. Yeah, just open the mind and see. Let's let's see what will happen. Yeah. So, what year was that you came to uh, to Japan for for this study trip? Two thousand seventeen. Oh, so yeah. that was after then, because uh, I should have mentioned before you were in the the uh, was it the fifteenth or sixteenth World Champs in Tokyo? Yes. So before before the championship was in two thousand fifteen. 
And then I came to, I came once more to, to Kendo with Ito Sensei in 2016. And then in 2017, I decided, when I was 16, I decided to study and start. And from 17, I start and also I focus on Godan and to the, to the Korea championship. So, so I think the two goals and, and the masters will be good. <laughs> Okay, so your so I'm going to have to look at another screen to read it. But your your research, at, uh, so was, was your research joined with Kanoya and Scuba? You, it's the same kind of paper that you were writing. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a joint program. So okay, it, so the the title of your research was Kendo Diffusion in Developing Countries from the Viewpoint of Transculturalism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Obviously, you don't have to detail the whole paper. <laughs> Could you give us a kind of abstract about what, what yeah. basically does, uh, did you find? What, does it, what did that paper involve? Yeah, well, transculturalism is like, uh, like how another cultures can connect. And if the cultures connect, can create a, a new culture. So I decided to study in the case of Kendo because I saw in Ecuador and that people who train kendo have a, like a different culture that it's not exactly the Japanese, but it's not the Ecuadorian. So I wanted to know how, well, how, how it happened. So in the, I got three factors in my research. It was the interaction, uh, the dynamic process and the adaptation to the new culture. So the dynamic process was doing kendo. <laughs> And the interaction, not only the kendo, also the kendo practice, also the language, uh, the language barrier, and how many encounters do we have? Like sometimes we have some uh, like exhibition of kendo through the through the Japanese embassy. So some people is are related to the anime culture or some to the to the traditional culture. So the interaction. And I analyzed through two hypotheses that were the technical level, so depending on the rank and the active participation, depending on the years that they practice kendo. Because in South America, usually people are like, they, they don't start as children to do kendo, usually start like adults. So mm. I wanted to see that interaction because they are already adults and learning a new culture. So yeah, that was basically <laughs> my research. And I choose developing countries from the United Nations. So it was between Argentina, Brazil, oh no, Argentina, sorry, Brazil, Ecuador, Venezuela. Oh, no, yes, and Argentina, yeah, four countries. So was there a common thread between those four countries? Did they have anything in common or were there any big differences between those and their adoption of kendo? Oh, yeah. The thing common is that usually practitioners were adults, like the majority were adults. And also the level is not so high. So maybe high we can consider from fourth, fifth, and yeah, not that high. And the but like a very big difference that I was <laughs> trying to find in the research is like in jo in Brazil, there are many descendants of Japanese. <laughs> so they have the highest level. And I thought it's related to the cultural understanding. And it was like that. In fact, like the cultural understanding give them more chances to, to be interact with Japanese people, to with universities, to do some exchange and 
and yeah, and the level is higher. So it was as I expected. <laughs> we need more interaction to get higher level and more cultural <laughs> understanding. So those, out of those four countries, you said like uh, yeah, Brazil, Ecuador, uh, Argentina, mm-hmm. and Venezuela. Venezuela. I, I'm, yeah, I guess then that Brazil would be the the one with the greatest number of uh, people of Japanese ancestry. Okay. Yes. I'd, heard, I'd heard that before that in in countries like also like Brazil and also like America as mm-hmm. well that um, uh, families that, that do have Japanese heritage that they would put their their children into mm-hmm. kendo dojos at a really young age to try and from a very young mm-hmm. age to try and have some kind of connection to mm-hmm. their origins, I guess. They understand also more Japanese comparing to other people in, in South America, for example. So I think that was also easier if they receive us some, some instructure from Japan to understand, to interact and learn <laughs> that if you, like in Ecuador, you have a translator that says that maybe it says this and maybe no or something like, and some words in Japanese difficult to translate. So... So I was thinking maybe also the language barrier cannot help to the cultural understanding. So that that research then started in 2017. Yes. Um, when did when did you finish? In 2018, I finished, but I continued writing to do a like a paper publication. So until 19. <laughs> okay. That, that was yeah. for a PhD or master's? No, it was my master's, yes. And then I started working. So I'm still doing some some papers, but not as, not as a PhD. Okay. So then that study then finished, you said, sorry, yeah, 2017. Started in Oh, sorry, sorry. Started in 2017. Finished in 19. Oh, 2019. So you decided to remain in Japan after that? Yes, I well, I love it. And I loved how can I increase my candle level being in Japan. So, yeah, and there, as you said, the opportunities to train with many people everywhere. Every small city has a good dojo with mm-hmm. famous sensei. So, so yeah, I, wa- I wanted to stay to work and stay, yeah. I d- definitely think you're you're not alone there. With some people come here, think, "Oh, I'll just come and do a year or two, you know, practicing not just kendo, but people that we know through kendo world that do judo or karate or mm-hmm. aikido as well. I'll just come and learn for a couple of years, and then <laughs> twenty years later, thirty years later, they're, they're still here and can't drag themselves away. So, I think when I came here. In 2003, it was oh, a couple of years, just see how it goes. And um, <laughs> yeah, I'm coming up for nearly tw- uh, nine, 19 years. It will be in um, March next year. <laughs> oh, I, I can't see myself going home. So I guess you're you're going to be here for a long, long time <laughs> as well. Yeah, so. when I came also, I remember I, I came just with that open mind to stay. Like I couldn't say even when I came I can I couldn't say I will do this in in how many years but many people told me oh after two years you will be back and I was thinking I'm not sure about that and yeah now I cannot see myself going back (laughs) (laughs) so um we're just coming up 
uh, almost an hour uh, we've been talking now. So if anyone has a question they'd like to ask, um, please drop it in the chat, uh, chat function, and I'll try and get to it. Um, but just going back, uh, so you had um, finished your studies. So you're still working at Scuba University or Kanoya University? I'm not working in the university. I'm working in Scuba City. Um, I'm working in a sports academy, so I try to keep my field on development through sports. And yeah, I'm working also in my own projects <laughs> on education and sports programs. And how have you found adapting to working life in Japan? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I feel like God. Uh, used to it but so many people tell me not to get so used to it like even to work extra hours and <laughs> right, right, right. get into in the system <laughs> but I, I think the, the most important thing is that you're still being able to make time to to get to training yes yes totally i feel very grateful about that because it's a sports academy so even if we don't have kendo in it I can like adjust my schedule to go to Kendo because they know I, I, I am still player. So, so they allow me to reschedule and okay. adapt with other stuff. Well, obviously, there hasn't been too much going around recently because of obviously because yeah. of COVID nineteen. Um, I think where where I am, I, I think it, the further you get out into the countryside, it's a bit different. But obviously, you're in Ibaraki. I'm in Kanagawa, um, with quite the big metropolitan areas. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, for me, the, the local sports centre only started up at the beginning of November. That had been over a year and a half, I think. There had been no no training and different clubs I'd been going to have had um, kind of taken long breaks. So I'm not training as much as I was, but I'm managing to get twice a week now, which is... Uh, which has been certainly much better than, than for the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Also, I, I try at least to go twice a week and I feel like very happy with that because with the other life, a busy life, I feel it's not like the university, like everyday training. But yeah, I like there are some, I, there are a few dojos near my house and, and some sensei from graduated from the University of Tsukuba had those dojos and also the police sensei has his own dojo and there are few dojos in Tsukuba so so the day I finish it's a different day different dojo so I just think okay I have my bogu on the car and okay today I can go here I can go there just keep the contact lens and then the change and then go but but yeah i feel it it's fun like i i'm not disappointed of it i think it's good enough <laughs> oh fantastic and yeah i just saw on facebook you posted that you just passed your bicycle your motorbike <laughs> license so i'm sure that's yeah. gonna enable you to travel a bit a bit more <laughs> and a bit quicker nipping in amongst yeah. the traffic i don't know what the traffic's <laughs> like in ibaraki but i'm in kanagawa and in, in, working in Yokohama and just sometimes it's a nightmare. I, I wish I was on a motorbike at times. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine like going to many dojos by train. Like they look so hard, right? Being in your bogu and moving to another, just put in the car. <laughs> going going in the car is so much better. I love it when it's possible. <laughs> 
All right. Well, Tanya, we've been uh, talking for about an hour. So um, thank you so much for spending your Sunday evening. Uh, it's it's now about 11 p.m. on a Sunday evening in Japan. Um, thank you so much for uh, spending the time talking to us and uh, glad that you were able to get back into the dojo and fantastic um, research that you've been doing about uh, kendo in South America and transculturalism. Uh, hopefully, uh, remains to be seen what the situation with regards to Corona is going to be like next year. But uh, hopefully, you'll be able to meet up again and, and take part in the Gakuren Taikai and even the Kendo World Keiko Kai. Yes, which, um, <laughs> all being good, will be happening uh, in July. Obviously, oh, we haven't been able to do that for the last couple of years. So just a couple of people have said thanks very much for the insightful interview and thank you very much. So thank uh, you very much. <laughs> yeah, it's been a great glad. pleasure. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, well, hopefully we'll get to meet up uh, in person sometime soon. Yes. Um, I'm fantastic. Very thank you. <laughs> well, I hope the, the job goes well and uh, be safe on your motorbike. Uh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, Tanya, thank you very much. And thank you to everyone that's listened in. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this chat and we're working on getting another one sorted out at the moment for January next year. So once again, thank uh, Tanya, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> okay.